trigger warning. Now, I don't do trigger warnings, but today I'm going to be talking about something controversial, something that's been tearing up the United States for close to 30 years, political tribalism. It's been a huge negative force in America. Politics has essentially turned into a religion where otherwise normal people turn into the Hatfields and McCoys. Today's reader question asks, I probably never would have even given this current guy a chance if it wasn't for the things I learned from you, Evan. The more I'm with him, the more I like him, except for the learning curve and dealing with tribal differences when we rub each other the wrong way. So when is political tribalism a deal breaker and when can it be dealt with? Let's just say I have some thoughts. Stick around. My name is Evan Marcatz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome to the Love You podcast. Keep listening to learn 10 steps for dealing with politics when dating. When we're done, I'll let you know how you could apply to Love You to create a passionate relationship where you feel safe, heard, and understood. So once upon a time, probably about five years ago, I did an hour-long coaching call taking questions specifically about race, religion, and politics and how that intersects with dating. These are some of the highlights from that call, um, which I will send, a, I'll put a link in the show notes for where you could access that call where I actually have an engaging dialogue with women about this subject. Without further ado, here are 10 ideas. Number one, there's nothing wrong with having preferences surrounding race, religion, and politics. The problems are when they box you in. So I literally got into this last night on a coaching call as an extension of a conversation that we're having in our private Love You Facebook group. And because of who I am and the kind of clients I attract, very often they tend to be middle-aged women in expensive liberal cities, New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, DC, get a lot of clients from those places. And so whether it's intentional or not, a lot of women in Love You have a political bias and certainly everybody's entitled to their political bias. But there's a lot of conversation going on about how should I give a guy a chance if he says he's a conservative in his dating profile. Even though I'm admittedly liberal, I don't like to talk about that, but th those are my politics. I'm worldly enough to know that labels are limiting at best. Having married into a family that is comes from a right-wing background, is conservative, and my, you know, and pretty much everybody in my wife's family has historically voted Republican. I know there's a big thing about labels. I'm a Jewish guy, but I'm not a typical Jewish guy. I'm not the kind of guy who's gonna make you convert to my religion like other Jewish guys might, and I'm not the guy who's gonna go to Friday night Shabbat services. So you could say Jewish, it can mean all sorts of different things. The same thing could be said for the label conservative and for that matter, liberal. Just as if you're conservative and, you're, and you look at someone who, who lists themselves as liberal, that does not mean they are communists who hate America and are trying to instill critical race theory and turn your three-year-old into a non-binary kid. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of true-ish that gets whipped up by both sides. And the more we can get away from labels and not read too much into the labels and screen in, we're gonna have a better chance at love. If you screen out everybody who is X, Y, and Z, it's gonna narrow your dating pool and perhaps unnecessarily. One of the key features of Love You is that we try to widen the aperture. Example, my wife went to Catholic school. She would probably never choose a Jewish guy. I wasn't looking for a woman who's two years, three years older than I was because I wanted two kids and she was 38 when we first started dating. Right. 
it works. 14 years later, we're still together. So this is what happens when we widen the aperture and we give people a chance instead of assuming that someone is wrong for us. Next, you don't want to start an argument on the first date, but be careful not to take the bait even if you enjoy debating politics. This is some place where I've been really, really guilty. Um, I'm probably doing it right now. I like a good debate. I'm one of the kind of people who can get into a good faith debate about politics with someone who really disagrees with me and try to listen and can see the points that are valid and push back on where I think there's a misinterpretation. And it's kind of a sport, right? And unless someone's really, really horrible, that, that actually doesn't happen that often. I, I tend to have really good faith political conversations that are not fire breathing, but it's not good for a date. And it's really easy to get roped into it because it's such a hot button issue, because you feel so passionately about it, and it tends to spiral downwards quickly, especially if there's a difference of agreement. And uh, you tend to start preaching your feelings and thereby insulting a stranger rather than trying to seek to understand, to listen to someone else's feelings. And so, as I said, Far easier for me to stand here and give advice than to talk about how well I live that advice. But in general, there's a reason that we say don't, don't talk about you know, religion and politics. It's there, it'll come out. It's not something you wanna bring up too soon. There are people who disagree. They'll say, I'm so passionate about this, I need to put it on the table that I'm not gonna date a Trump voter. And I put it in my dating profile and okay, I mean, you're allowed to, but I think you'd be better off just kind of bearing that having a connection, making making conversation. If you see something that's a really big red flag in someone's profile, that's one thing, right? But just having different labels isn't that big red flag. So don't bring that up too soon. Number three, be moderate and respectful. Agree to disagree. And this is not just on a first date. This is pretty decent life advice. Agree to disagree. It is better to keep the peace. It's better to get along than to debate something that leaves everybody feeling anxious and angry that doesn't actually change the outcome of anything. We just get our jollies by venting our frustrations about how the other party sucks and what's accomplished by it? Nothing. There's just this ambient feel of negativity that's everywhere in America. And this isn't just intra-party, it's inter-party, it's within our own parties, right? Think about the differences between, you know, the, the original Lincoln Project Republicans and the election-stealing Republicans. And let's take it, the difference between the Bernie voters and the Hillary voters and how everybody's at each other's throats for different opinions about how we should spend money. I mean, really, it's a, I know it's deeper than that. I'm relatively well-read about politics, but you can feel very strongly, but it's important to be respectful even if you don't even intend on seeing someone again. You want to leave someone with a good taste. You want to be a good representative of your tribe, of your party. And it doesn't come when you go extreme. I'm, I'm just thinking of a very specific example involving my family. My wife comes from a really Catholic family and we got like second cousins in, in Texas and those cousins hung out with our kids and uh, because they're young and they've been taught what they've been taught, they pretty much told our kids that they were going to hell because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, which is just okay. I mean, I guess if you believe that, that's fine, but that's not a great way for nine-year-olds to converse. 
uh, adults do the exact same thing. Right? We tell other people that we're right, and if I'm right, that means you're wrong, instead of saying, okay, we could agree to disagree. Fundamentally, I really believe most people are good people, even if you could disagree with some of their beliefs. And this is very salient in the time of COVID. Uh, next, it's not your job to convince someone his belief is wrong. You can't go around changing other people. Right. So there's, there's the idea that if you believe something that it is akin to a fact. Now there are facts, but we all tend to cherry pick our facts. It's called confirmation bias. You're allowed to feel strongly. You're allowed to be well-read. You're allowed to be passionate, right? But running around preaching, it is, it, it, becomes, it becomes like religion. You become essentially an evangelist, spreading the word because you think you're saving lives by getting people to agree with you and vote for your team. The problem is it's not actually very persuasive. There's tons of books. Uh, there's a book on how to have difficult conversations. Um, I think author's Peter Boghossian, um, I'm not positive. Um, but there's all sorts of ways. New York Times has written articles. How do you have a conversation with someone about this? It is rarely in telling someone that they're wrong. If someone came out flat and told you that you were wrong, you'd immediately dismiss them as ignorant or a bigot. So you can't do the same to someone else. Really much better to listen, ask questions. Why do you believe that? Have you considered this? It's a much softer approach and you're more likely to take those two Venn diagrams of people who occupy different um, epistemic spheres and combine them. We could find some daylight where we could agree on something. That's the building of a bridge. And by the way, if it's not obvious, everything I'm talking about now about politics is also great relationship advice, right? If men think this and women think this, or you think this and your boyfriend thinks this, how could we find an overlap where we could agree to disagree, find some common ground, move on, instead of carrying around the resentment. Part of the reason I'm going down this rabbit hole. Right. But, politics. Next, beliefs and facts might as well be the same based on how our brains process them. Uh, this is something that I got uh, from Sam Harris. Brain, he's a neuroscientist, he did brain research, and you put someone in an fMRI machine and it scans their brain and asks, you ask a bunch of questions and you see how what parts of the, the, the brain light up. But basically, if you believe that two plus two equals four, which is an objective fact, there's no real way, two ways around that. If you think two plus two equals four, and you also think that COVID was a hoax, right? That the belief that COVID was a hoax and the fact that two plus two equal four essentially register the same in the brain meaning our beliefs function as facts, which is why it's so hard to convince anybody that they're wrong. Try convincing someone two, two plus two does not equal four. You have almost an equal likelihood to change someone's mind because our brains see beliefs and facts in largely the same way. Next, if you have very strong beliefs, this is key. This is something I saw in my Love You group last night. If you have very strong beliefs, you need to be with someone with the exact same beliefs or someone who's more easygoing and tolerant than you. So from a political standpoint, I'm, again, not to make this about me, it's just easier to talk about that way. I'm a liberal. Um, 
with a moderate temperament, as evidenced, I hope, by this podcast, really trying hard to see the good in people and see the common ground, etc. I can get along with people in this range, right, from here to here, right? You know, moderate, moderate Republicans, great, right? Goes much further than that, we start to lose touch. If you go further in this direction, you take someone who's far, far left, they're not going to be able to deal with anybody who's even passed here. They probably wouldn't be able to deal with me, people who think theoretically that the police should be abolished or that there should be no borders. And again, I'm not, I'm really not actually trying to spark a political debate. I'm just using this as an example. So people far, far here need to be with someone who's right there with them because it's so passionate. And again, I, we can liken this to anything. I had a client once upon a time who went skiing 16, 18 weeks a year, right? The only person she could be with, if she continues to live her life that way, is someone who goes skiing 16 to 18 weeks a year. Because if I'm her boyfriend, I'm not going to be content with that. So the further along you are to either side, the more you're going to have to be with someone who's in lockstep, which is unfortunate. Because that same political beliefs don't really say much about compatibility. So you end up eliminating 90 plus percent of people, right? If there's the 10% on each side who are extreme, you end up eliminating everybody but those 10% based on political differences. And that's before we've gotten to height, weight, age, education, income. That's before we've gotten to kindness, consistency, communication, character, and commitment, right? We're making decisions based on these things. So that's why I don't like to use politics as a primary reason of screening. Next, don't mistake similarity for compatibility. I just hinted at that. People who think like you are not better partners. Also, a truism, which is, is, is worth considering. Now, we could say it's a values thing. I can never be with someone who, who votes against climate change. I can never be with someone. I mean, again, I, I understand I'm not trying to minimize that. But when we're really talking about what compatibility is, a big part of compatibility is how someone treats you. It's not, do we worship in the same place or vote on the same things, right? People think that's a bigger piece of it than it is, but we know that there are, there are uh, Catholic people who practice the same religion, who've been married for 60 years, who hate each other. Right? We know that. We know that there's couples who go skiing, right? And then cheat on each other. <laughs> we know that there are all sorts, there's so many variations on this where we understand that, yeah, people can have something in common. It says nothing about their ability to get along in a relationship, which is far more about how are we spending money, right? How much are you working? Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? Do we have, share the same values in terms of, of how we discipline the kids? What is the role of you, your role in the household versus my role in the household in, in, in terms of taking care of household chores. Are we sensitive to each other's emotional needs? Are we good at conflict resolution? You know what doesn't say anything about that? Who you vote for, right. says a relationship coach. Next, your soulmate might be right in front of you, but you might not recognize him because of the labels you put on him. Right. And remember, we're not talking about uh, James Carville and Mary Madeline, people who are prominent you know, Democrat. Right? Like that's that's kind of like lightning in a bottle. Right. P 
people who are, who are representatives of their side working across the aisle in a relationship. I'm really talking on a lower level. For most people, right, I think most people are exhausted by this conversation. Politics should not be blood sport. Even though it's important, I'm not mi minimizing it. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it because I'm largely obsessed with it. But I'm more obsessed with how we're talking past each other and we're demonizing people who have disagreements with us over tax policy or foreign policy. Again, I'm not even validating the crazy fringe. The crazy fringe, the crazy fringe is going to hate whatever I say anyway. But like, we're not validating the, the people who think the, the election is stolen or that COVID's out. That, that's, that's off the map. We're talking about normalish people, and I don't mind alienating the QAnon sect. Um, normalish people, where can we find greater overlap? I love telling the story of my wife where I'm East Coast Jewish, liberal, fancy college, you know, high aspirations kind of person. And my wife is decidedly middle class, military family, family votes Republican across the board, uh, history of alcoholism and divorce in her family. All these kind of things have nothing to do with my wife and I. We are magic, regardless of who the family she was born into. And so having had that experience, it's really hard for me to just lay down when everybody else says, you know, this is the most important thing. This is the existential crisis of our time. We need to deal with people as individuals, right? Because there's a whole spectrum of liberal people. There's a whole spectrum of Jewish people. There's a whole spectrum of Republicans and conservatives as well. And we need to deal with that reality, not flatten it and treat everybody as if they're the same. Finally, differences of opinion only matter as much as you make them matter. I've got love you couples who, who were chiming in on this thread yesterday in our private Facebook group who were talking about, like, he treats me well. I love him. He's my best friend. We have a great time together. He's so kind to me and my kids. Right? And because we don't agree with it, we just don't talk about it. Like it's, we don't talk about it. And, and the truth is, even though I'm, I'm super political, I don't even know who my wife votes for. Because we had differences, especially at the beginning of our relationship, I suspect we've moved closer together over time, but I don't know who she votes for. We don't talk about it. It's our understanding. Why? Because what good comes out of it? If I get all passionate and liberal on her, how does that serve our relationship? It doesn't. If our votes cancel each other out, our votes cancel each other out. It's fine. <laughs> so realize differences of opinion only matter as much as you make them matter. And that goes for everything. Anything's a deal breaker if you make it a deal breaker. You want a guy who's, who's five foot 10 and he's five foot nine? You could turn it into a deal breaker. You want a guy who makes more than you? You make $100,000, he makes $90,000. You can turn that into a deal breaker. You can literally turn anything into a deal breaker. The problem is everything that's a deal breaker, now it all piles up. Now he has to have these 18 factors in order to qualify and your dating pool shrinks like this. So if you cut off instantly half the country, you can, you can. There's no, no doubt you could find someone, and this is the, the counter argument, you could, no doubt you could find someone in New York or San Francisco or DC or LA who votes like you. It's easy enough to do that. I just don't think it is the high-minded, open-minded, moral, realistic way of looking at the world. Right? And I would 
gently discourage you from tossing out the baby with the bath water. I live this advice. This is not like me just standing on my soapbox. I actually live this advice. I have just about the happiest marriage I know. There's very few people who talk about their wife the way I talk about my wife, even though she's completely different from me. It brings another element to my life that I actually think is extremely valuable and humbling. Uh, it's very easy to get too high on your horse when you read your news sources and you think you know how the entire world thinks. There's something refreshing about being brought down to earth and seeing things through a new lens. I hope that that's what you took from today's conversation on this Love You podcast. Do you want a man who respects your opinions? Then please reach out to me, Evan Mark Katz at www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash apply and I will hold your hand through this tortured, nuanced dating process so you can learn to trust, trust your judgment, choose a good man who treats you well, and find a guy who is truly aligned with your higher life's purpose. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Thank you for tuning into the Love You podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please share an honest review on Apple. More reviews equals more awareness of the Love You podcast and more love in the world. And if you have everything except a man and you want to have a happy, healthy relationship, I can help you. In Love You, you will gain confidence, learn to trust your judgment, and find a man who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com and click to watch my free video. When you're done, you could apply to Love You to join hundreds of other smart, strong, successful women in a coaching community where women like you actually get the love you deserve. I'll see you there.